What's up, everybody? Welcome to the prologue for the new season of Tea and Scripture with Trey and Sarah. That's right. Everything should be kicking off very soon. We're going to have kind of an episode zero coming up where we're going to talk about the way of wisdom. Because I think it's very important that before we start getting into the new season, that we really understand the way in which we should go. Now, I may have said this, but for those of you who may be new listeners, let me kind of give you a an idea of some of the things we're going to talk about. Um, and of course, this is subject to change depending on how you know, the Father leads us through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But I really have a burden for us to really dig in deep to God's law and especially the Ten Commandments. So I really think that um, I know that I've been talking to Sarah. She's not going to be on with us on this episode because this is just a prologue. This is to get us warmed up, to get our minds in the right place to receive this message. You know, when when, when you talk about when you talk about uh, receiving things from God, you know, you always have to prepare your heart for that, and that that's really what that's really what the goal is here tonight is for us to prepare our hearts to receive the message of God's word to understand in the full scope of the kingdom of heaven and with the gospel and with the doctrine of Christ, how these these commandments affect the church today, how they apply to our lives today, and hopefully we can understand, you know, a lot of us still probably have scars from being in lawless churches and hopefully this will help those heal and we can you know know what to go like where to go from here in our journey so um those are some of the things we're going to be talking about but specifically on this this prologue we're going to be looking at as you saw by the title it's called foolish galatians and i really want us to get in here because this is one of the most common attacks that is used by anti by antinomians is you know Galatians uh you know talks about the law yada 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 we've all heard it right so what we're going to do is we're going to go through this we're going to analyze it and we're going to compare and contrast some of this we're going to deep dive into this we're going to read some of read an excellent breakdown of this with the writings of john bunyan and then we're going to look at some of the stuff arthur pink says you know we really want to understand we want to cut through the deception number one we want to get rid of the lies that have just inundated our minds for years because until we can get past that and we can understand that we don't put our faith in men and the doctrines of men, we put our faith in God and ultimately the doctrine that we hold to is the doctrine of Christ because as he said himself, he spoke the words which the Father gave him. 
So, real quick, uh, we're going to play some advertisements that we haven't had in a while because, you know, we always want to give you guys, uh, you know, especially some of you guys that are newer uh, and haven't checked out some of the channels of our friends. We're going to play a couple of ads for, you know, the Dan Badondi show real quick. And we will be right back on Tea and Scripture with Trey and Sarah. Don't go anywhere. around to the on the first side where you see the two great fields of the United States of America yep. okay now if you notice it says those are supposed to be the two great fields of the United States of America correct yep. those aren't those are the two seals of the order of the Illuminati now I have all this memorized from my days in the Illuminati This went on the dollar bill in 1935, but this reflects ancient beliefs of secret societies that go back literally before the birth of Christ. It symbolizes the ancient goal of secret societies of the establishment of what in scripture we see in Revelation 13 is the reign of the beast and the false prophet. of the Great Seal, a very fascinating story. <laughs> well, I got one right here. The Great Seal of the United States, or is it the Great Seal of the Illuminati? There's a lot more than meets the eye. Get your dose of common sense with the nightly news. Oh my God, if we don't do something by 2030, you know, the world's going to blow up, you know, or whatever the case, the climate change is going to destroy the world, right? And it's kind of funny too, because um, in 2035, California says you can't buy gas-powered vehicles. Well, if the world's supposed to end, you know, from a climate change thing in 2030, how... You know, you've got to initiate owning electric power vehicles in California in 2035, five years after these idiots claim that the world's going to get the story about how the earth works, 
you know, science, whatever. You could be some kind of a lunatic. Dumbass. Okay? The nightly news. Just what the doctor ordered. Only on TruthRadioShow.com. All right, so you can check that out. You can check both of those. The first one was the documentary for the Great Seal of the United States, which is an absolutely excellent documentary. It's, uh, I mean, it just the the information there. I find stuff like that it's super fascinating. Um, and of course, the guests featured in that are uh, Doc Marquis, who is a former Illuminati member. And then, of course, you have David Carrico of FOJC Radio, um, who has been studying secret societies and everything related to secret societies for years. I mean, the 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 man is a living encyclopedia when it comes to knowledge like this, and even wrote a book about the United States seal and its occult meaning. A very good book. You can find it on their website, FOJCRadio.com. Um, but you can also check that documentary out for free on Dan's YouTube channel. You can find it on his, his dead YouTube channel is the Dan Badandi Show. You can find it on his Truth Radio Show Rumble channel. And you can also, of course, just go right to his website, truthradioshow.com. Um, so, and then, of course, I know he's been talking about bringing the nightly news back. I haven't seen that he has done it yet, but keep a lookout. But either way, you can still go over to the Dan Badandi show and make sure you check out the Spiritual Warfare Friday show. They've incorporated they, they incorporate the news and news articles into that. So you're still getting current events, but you're also getting it from the Spiritual Warfare perspective, which is, you know, a, it, to me, in my mind, is an absolute game changer. So make sure you guys check those out. Um, I'll try to make sure that I have a link in the description for you. And we also want to give a shout out to Annie over at Shake and Wake Radio. Um, you know, she has just amazing. She is, I'm, look, Annie is a member of this family. I'm just going to go ahead and let you guys all know that Annie is like family to me. She is a just. Everything she is doing over at Shake and Wake Radio is incredible. So make sure you guys check out shakeandwakeradio.com. I think. So if you're like yeah, me, I've got, I've got an ad right here. We'll play that real quick, and then we'll come back, and we'll finally get into this show. So give me just one more second. We'll be right back. So if you're like me, you're traveling a lot. Hey, Trey here with Course Correction Radio, and my question to you is if you're traveling a lot, why are you not listening to the Shake and Wake Radio Network on ShakeandWakeRadio.com? On Shake and Wake Radio, you will find great shows such as Through the Black with Thomas Dunn, The Midnight Ride with John Pounders and David Carrico, The Cutting Edge, Truth Radio Show, and so much more. You can even catch yours truly on Monday nights after the Jim Duke perspective right there on shakeandwakeradio.com all right there you go shakeandwakeradio.com guys make sure to go over there and check her out and look if you find that um if you find that content um you know in any way edifying or helpful uh, obviously you know number one your prayers are always the most important, but if there's, you know, if you guys feel led to help her out over there, you know, please don't hesitate. Um, you know, 
it, those are those can be costly engines sometimes. So make sure you guys show her your love and support in any way that you can. But like I said, prayers are obviously you know the most important thing that you can give any of us. And for those of you who are praying for us over here with Course Correction Radio and Metanoia Media, I just want to say thank you because. It is it is so very obvious and apparent. And even though we're having major setbacks, you know, this is an audio because literally as I went to record this, my computer made three loud popping sounds and then would not cut on. So I think the thing is toast. So, but you know what? To God be the glory for being able to still get it out there, you know? So, you know, we're not I'm you know, we're not even going to let that get us down cuz we are just happy that we're just so blessed that we are able to share the insights that God is giving us with you and we pray that they are they are edifying to you. So, let's get into this. Galatians chapter 3. I'm just going to start in verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evident, evidently set forth crucified among you. This only, what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain? If it yet be in if it yet be in vain. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith are the same the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, so that they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I just want to take a pause right here and let you guys know that, and I don't think it's by any accident, but we've been going through weekly... Torah studies. And I am using the traditional readings that would be read every week in the Sabbath. My basis for that is Acts 15.21. But we're not going through them in a very traditional way. What we're doing is we're locking on to bits and pieces 
I supplied the the verses, you know, the you know whatever that reading is, I will give you, you know, that reading at the top. But we only we only focus on certain verses and we have been going through and showing uh the the promises that were given to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob. And then Jacob passed that on his blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim said he would be a multitude of nations. That word there is goyim. In the Greek, it is the word ethnos, which is what is always translated Gentiles. Um, So, you know, we've been going through this. We've been seeing the promises of God unfold. I don't think that's by accident. If you want to check that out, that's on our TN Scripture substack page. But... You know, that was the whole point, is that Jacob gave these promises. And, you know, he he literally gave these blessings, and they were prophetic blessings. But it was because of his faith that this was done. You know, this was the power of the Spirit of God upon him. Now, I really want to focus in on this right here. Did you notice what it said? It said... He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you. We're talking about people that should have known better, who have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, have seen those miracles manifested. This is this is absolutely incredible. I want to read to you real quick from the New International Commentary on the New Testament. And this is, uh, you know, this is the commentary specifically for this verse in Galatians. It says, Paul clearly expresses his expectations that the Galatians should have been more critically reflective in their assessment of the truth of the rival teachers and that if they had exercised their brains more, they would not have come under the spell of these outsiders so easily. Had they reflected more on the message about Christ crucified that Paul had clearly laid out before them during his first visit to their cities and on their own experience of having been loved and accepted by God, i.e. their experience of the Holy Spirit soon to be foregrounded in Galatians 2-5, through 5, they would have seen through the rival teachers, false reasoning. The verb Paul uses here can mean either display prominently or announce beforehand. The latter, typically, in writing. The first sense fits the context better, as Paul recalls how in his initial proclamation of the gospel to those who would have become his converts and his early instruction of the same, Paul set the crucified Messiah right in front of their eyes. This is... This is what Matthew Henry had to say about this. This This is good. He says, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth as crucified among them. That is, they had had the doctrine of the cross preached to them and the sacrament of the Lord's Supper administered among them in both which Christ crucified had been set before them. Now it was the great madness that could be for those who had acquaintance 
with such sacred mysteries and admittance to such great solemnities not to obey the truth which was thus published to them and signed and the uh, signed and sealed in that ordinance note the consideration of the honors and the privileges we have been admitted to as Christians should shame us out of the folly of apostasy and backsliding we are talking about people who have literally because they are they're trusting in their own works they're trusting in their their own power they have walked away from the faith and of course the verse that comes to mind for this we'll go to the book of proverbs proverbs 3 and starting in verse 5 trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths be not wise in thine own eyes Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, I really want to focus on that. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Because so many times what happens in the modern evangelical churches, notice what it said. Let's go back to Galatians because this is what it said. For as many as of the works of those, as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them." And they'll say, "See, you can't follow the law because it brings on a curse." That's that's the big thought in dispensationalism, especially. And. Nothing could be further from the truth because you can read for yourself the blessings and the curses. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy right there in the Torah. Isn't it amazing how the Torah made it in our Bible even though supposedly it's, it'll bring a curse? This is, this is how silly this is. All right, let me find it. All right, we're going to start this in Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we're going to start in verse 15, and then we're going to back up a little bit. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. C, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee. In the land, whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but thou shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce you unto I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan. To go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing, that therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Let's go over to the Gospel of John. 
the Gospel of John, and we're going to start in chapter 1. And guys, this is, this isn't hard. But we have to submit to the authority and the power of Jesus Christ that he is our Lord, he is our high priest, he is reigning now at the right hand of the Father. And unless you do that, you will not ever, ever get this. Because the Bible says that the carnal mind is enmity with God. Now notice what Paul said. He said that they were walking in the flesh, right? And the law is according to the flesh. Because what it does is it reveals our true self to us. We'll get to that. We're not going to get there quite yet. Let's look at this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Psalm 119. One of my personal favorite psalms. Psalm 119, if I can get there. There we go. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. Notice that. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my bath. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So, if we come back over here to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we allow Scripture to interpret Scripture, the man, David, the man after God's own heart, talking about, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. When we look at the entire counsel of God, when we look at his entire word, right? We should be able to see the clear scripture that if we go through and we read the law of God, that it should point us to Christ because Christ is the life. He is the word made flesh. He is our perfect example. We should walk like him. Let's go to the book of 1 John. Small epistle of 1 John. But boy, is it packed. It's not as small as the others. 2nd and 3rd John are a little bit smaller. But let's go here. All right, 1 John. I want to say it's in chapter 2. All right, my little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. 
and the truth is not in him, but whosoever keepeth his word in, ver- in him verily is the love of God perfected in the book of Romans. And there's other places, but in the book of Romans, Paul says, and it is summed up like this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. When it says that love fulfills the law, well, it's not just your generic hippie love. Like, you have to read the Word of God. You have to understand who God is. You have to study and meditate on His 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 attributes. And then you will understand what love, what God is. God is love. You'll understand the ultimate form of love. And that threat, love will lead you into obedience into his word, and that love of God will be perfected in you. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith... He abideth in him, ought himself also also so to walk even as he who? He being Jesus Christ, he ought to walk even as he walked. Christ was our perfect example. Now let's go on. Now look at this. Let's go, because we're still talking about love, right? John, First John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. It reminds me of that old hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Love that song. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not beloved now we are the sons of god and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure the book of revelation talks about keeping that garment white That's what it talks about, not having a soiled garment. How do we do that? How do we keep our garments pure? Well, we follow the the righteous path. But notice what he says after this. Every man that shall that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whoever committed sin transgresseth also the law for sin is the transgression of the law. This is so important. I need you to listen to me, each and every one of you. When we look at the book of Galatians, we have to take it in the context of the rest of Scripture. Because when we look at people going after the works of the law, and let's go back and read that again in Galatians chapter 3, and I know I'm moving fast, I know I'm moving fast, but I need you to keep up here with me because this is so important. Listen to it over and over and over and over and over again if you can. And no, I do not have the scriptures right written down because honestly, a lot of these are coming to me just as I'm talking. Praise God for that. I wish I did have them written down for you, but that's not always the way my mind works. So you'll have to forgive me for that. But notice what he says here. He says, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it yet be in vain? He that ministereth to you in the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doth it by by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? What you have to understand is, is that you, in your flesh, you are soiled. The Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. 
So if your righteousness, if our righteousness, if my righteousness is as filthy rags, how can I ever hope to be able to fulfill the works of the law? And the answer is, is that I cannot. Let's go to let's go to the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at the doctrine of Christ on this because this is so important. This is so important, so important. And there's a few passages we're going to look at in the book in the Gospel of Matthew, real quick. All right, so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 21. You have heard it said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without, without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. I'll be in danger of hell fire. Listen to that. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... Now, you know, a lot of us in our Western mind, we think of that little altar with the little table that says, this do in remembrance of me, right? I know I grew up Baptist. Those were in almost literally almost every Baptist church I was ever in growing up. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about bringing your sacrifice to the altar at the temple. So let's put this in the context of the new covenant. You can't even go to pray, which is your gift that you bring before the altar. Really think that in mind. If thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Now, really think about that. He's putting it into perspective of what they can hear, but, you know, think about his prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? You know, it makes me think of that parable of the, the you know, he told that parable of the servant who had his debt forgiven and immediately went out and beat somebody that owed him less. And because of that, he was thrown into prison and wasn't come out until he could pay that. This is the exact same thought. And that prison there is, is, it is symbolic of being thrown into hell, like you just said earlier. If they'll say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. This is serious stuff. Let's go on. Verse 27, you have heard it said of, of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever look on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. 
If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and that not thy whole body shall be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not thy whole body be cast into hell. Guys, we're talking about the flesh here. And we we walk in our flesh even a sideways glance. When we are looking, men, when you look on a woman and you have that lustful desire, you are guilty of adultery, which is a capital offense under the law of Moses. And what does the book of Hebrews say? The book of Hebrews says that he who despised the law of Moses was killed without mercy. Under the evidence of two or three witnesses. I'm going to find that real quick. And we're going to read that because this is so important. All right, turn with me real quick to Hebrews 10, 28. <coughs> Excuse me. Hebrews 10, 28. And we're probably going to read more than Hebrews 10, 28, but that's specifically the verse that we're going to emphasize here. All right. Let's look at this. This is, we're going to start in verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for a judgment a fear of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite Unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. I really want to drive this point home. We're going to go back to Galatians. But this time we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you Nothing. Of course, he is referring to the book of Acts. He's referring to the false gospel of the circumcision party. It says, Acts chapter 15, verse 1, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. 
If you are getting circumcised or you are following anything fleshly and you think that it is going to get you in good standing with God, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify, verse 3, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. You have apostatized from the faith when you are doing this. This is such a serious offense. And think about it. What were they doing? They were trusting in their own works. They were trusting in their own righteousness. And how many times do each and every one of us just look and say, I can't do this. It's too hard. I don't understand why I keep struggling with this, why I keep falling. And it is because, brothers and sisters, we are doing it of our own works and I, even, I look, guys, I'm preaching to myself here because I am so guilty of this and I just feel so unclean when this happens and it is because I am not walking in the grace of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, following after Jesus Christ and his example. I'm trying to do it my own way and it will not work. And that is such a dangerous place for any of us to be in. And we all need to fall on our knees and we need to repent and say, Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's how serious this is. That is such a scary place to be in when we are walking to our own understanding. But look, the proverb just rings so true. In all our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. I want to come over here real quick. And this is from... An absolute classic. This is from John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress, which is one of my favorite books I have ever read, and I have read a lot of books. The copy I have, this is page 21. It says, Now as Christian was walking, solitary by himself, he espied one afar off, coming crossing over the field to meet him, and their hap was to meet just as they were crossing the way of each other. The gentleman's name that met him was Mr. Worldly Wiseman. He dwelt in the town of Carnal Policy, a very great town, and also hard by from, hard by from whence Christian came. This man, then meeting with Christian and having some inkling of him, for Christian setting forth from the city of destruction was much noised abroad, not only in the town where he dwelt, but also it began to be 
the town talk of some in some other places. Master Worldly Wiseman, therefore, having some guess of him, beholding his laborious going, by observing his sighs and groans and the like, began thus to enter into some talk with Christian. How now, good fellow? Whither away after this burdened manner? A burdened manner indeed, as ever I think a poor creature had. And whereas you ask me whither away, I tell you, sir, I am going to yonder wicket gate before me. For there, as I am informed, I shall be put into a way to be rid of my heavy burden. Hast thou a wife and children? Yes. But I am so laden with this burden that I cannot take that pleasure in them as I formerly. Methinks I am as if I had none. Wilt thou hearken to me if I give thee counsel? If it be good, I will, for I stand in need of good counsel. I would advise thee then that thou should with all speed get rid of thy burden. But that will never be settled in thy mind till then, nor canst thou enjoy the benefits of the blessing which God hath bestowed upon thee till then. That is which I seek for, even to be rid of this heavy burden. But get it off myself, I cannot. Nor is there any man in our country that can take it off my shoulders. Therefore I am going this way, as I told you, that I may be rid of my burden. Who bid thee to go this way, to get rid of thy burden? A man that appeared to me to be very great and honorable person. His name, as I remember, is Evangelist. I beshrew him for his counsel. There is not a more dangerous and troublesome way in the world than is that which unto, unto which he hath directed thee, and that thou shalt find. If thou wilt be ruled by this counsel, thou hast met with something, as I perceive already, for I see the dirt of the slough of despond is upon thee, but that slough is the beginning of thy sorrows that do attend those that go on in that way. Hear me, I am older than thou. Thou art like to meet with in thy way which thou goest wearisomeness, painfulness, hunger, perils, nakedness, sword, lions, dragons, darkness in the world, death, and what not. These things are certainly true, having been confirmed by many testimonies. And why should a man so carelessly cast away himself by giving heed to a stranger? Why, sir, this burden upon my back is more terrible to me than are all these things which you have mentioned. Nay, methinks I care... Not what I meet in the way, so be I can also meet with deliverance of my burden. How camest thou by thy burden at first? By reading this book in my hand. I thought so. And it has happened unto thee as to other weak men, who meddling with things too high for them, do suddenly fall into thy distractions, which distractions do not only unman men, as thine I have perceived has done thee, but they run them upon desperate ventures to obtain they know not what. I know what I would obtain. It is ease for my heavy burden. But why will thou seek for ease this way, seeing so many dangers attend it? Especially since, hadst thou but patience to hear me, I could direct thee to the obtaining of what thou desirest without the dangers that thou in this way wilt run thyself into. Yea, and the remedy is at hand. 
Besides, I will add that instead of those dangers, thou shalt meet with much safety, friendship, and content. Pray, sir, open this secret to me. Why, in yonder village, the village is named Morality, there dwells a gentleman whose name is Legality, a very judicious man and a man of very good name, that is skilled to help men off with such burdens as thine are for their sh- uh, as thine are from their shoulders. Yea, to my knowledge, he hath done a great deal of good this way, I, and besides, he hath skill to cure those that are somewhat crazed in their wits with their burdens. To him, as I said, thou mayest go and be helped presently. His house is not quite a mile from this place, and if he should not be at home himself, he has a pretty young man to his son, whose name is Civility, that can do it, so to, uh, to speak on, as well as the old gentleman himself. There, I say, thou mayest be eased of thy burden. And if thou art not minded to go back to thy former habitation, as indeed I would not wish thee, thou mayest send for thy wife and children to thee to this village, where there are houses now stand empty, one of which thou mayest have at reasonable rates. Provision is there also cheap and good, and that which will make thy life the more happy is to be sure there shalt, li- there shalt thou live by honest neighbors in credit and good fashion. Now was Christian somewhat at a stand, but presently he concluded, If this be true, which this gentleman had said, my wisest course is to take his advice. And with that, he thus further spoke, Sir, which is my way to this honest man's house? Do you see yonder high hill? Yes, very well. By that hill you must go, and the first house you come to is his. So Christian turned out of his way to go to Mr. Legality's house for help. But behold, when he was gotten out hard by the hill, it seemed so high. And also that side of it was next to the wayside did hang so much over that Christian was afraid to venture further lest the hill should fall on his head. Wherefore there he stood still, and he what not to do. Also his burden now seemed heavier to him than while he was in his way. There came also flashes of fire out of the hill that made Christian afraid that he should be burned. Here therefore he sweat and did quake for fear. When Christians unto carnal men give ear, out of their way they go and pay for it dear. For master worldly wise men can but shew a saint the way to bondage and to woe. And now he began his <clears throat> he began to be sorry that he had taken Mr. Worldly Wiseman's counsel, and with that he saw Evangelist coming to meet him, at the sight also of whom he began to blush for shame. So Evangelist drew nearer and nearer, and coming up to him, he looked upon him with a severe and dreadful countenance, and thus began to reason with Christian. What doest thou here, Christian? said he. At which words Christian knew not what to answer, wherefore at present he stood speechless before him. Then said Evangelist farther, Art thou not the man I found crying without the walls of the city of destruction? Yes, dear sir, 
I am the man. Did not I direct thee the way to the little wicket gate? Yes, dear sir, said Christian. How is it then that thou art so quickly turned aside? For thou art now out of the way. I... I met with a gentleman so soon as I had gotten over the slough of despond who persuaded me that I might, in the village before me, find a man that could take off my burden. What was he? He looked like a gentleman and talked much to me and got me at last to yield, so I came hither. And when I beheld this hill and how it hangs over the way, I suddenly made a stand, lest it should even fall on my head. What said that gentleman to you? Why... He asked me whether I was going, and I told him. And what said he then? He asked me if I had a family, and I told him. But I said, I I am so loaded with the burden that is on my back that I cannot take pleasure in them as formerly. And what said he then? He bid me with speed to get rid of my burden, and I told him t'was ease that I sought. And I said, I am going to yonder gate to receive further direction how I might get to the place of deliverance. So he said that he would show me a better way, in short, not so attended with difficulties as the way, sir, that you set me, which said he would direct you to a gentleman's house that hath skill to take off these burdens. So I believed him and turned out of the way into this. If haply I might soon be eased of my burden. But when I came to this place and beheld the things as they are, I stopped for fear, as I said, of danger. But now... I know not what to do. Then said Evangelist, Stand still a little, that I might show thee the words of God. So he stood trembling. Then said Evangelist, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape. If we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, He said, moreover, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. He also did did thus apply them. Thou art the man that are running into his misery. Thou hast begun to reject the counsel of the Most High and to draw back the foot from the way of peace, even almost to the hazarding of thy perdition. Then Christian fell down at his foot as dead and cried, Woe is me, for I am undone. At the sight of which, Evangelist caught him by the right hand, saying, All manner of sin and blasphemies shall be forgiven unto men. Be not faithless, but believing. Then did Christian again a little revive and stood up trembling as the first before Evangelist. Then Evangelist proceeded, saying, Give more earnest heed to the things. That I shall tell thee of. I will now shew thee who it was that deluded thee, and who it was also to whom he sent thee. The man that met thee is one worldly wise man, and rightly he is so called, partly because he savoreth only the doctrine of this world. Therefore he always goes to the town of morality to church, and partly because he loveth that doctrine best, for it saveth him. From the cross. And because he is of his carnal temper, therefore he seeketh to prevent my ways, though right. 
Now there are three things in this man's counsel that must utterly abhor. Number one, his turning thee out of the way. Number two, his laboring to render the cross odious to thee. And number three, his setting thy feet in the way that leadeth unto the administration of death. First, thou abhor, thou must abhor his turning thee out of the way, yea, and thine own consenting thereto, because this is to reject the counsel of God for the sake of the counsel of a worldly wise man. The Lord says, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, the gate to which I sent thee, for straight is the gate that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. From this little wicked gate and from the way thereto hath this wicked man turned thee to the bringing of thee almost to destruction. Hate, therefore, his turning thee out of the way and abhor thyself for hearkening unto him. Secondly, thou must abhor his laboring to render the cross odious unto thee, for thou art to prefer it before the treasures of Egypt. Besides, the king of glory hath told thee that he will save his life. He that will save his life shall lose it. And he that cometh after him and hates not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I say, therefore, for a man to labor and to persuade thee that thou, that, that shall be thy death, without which the truth has said thou canst not have eternal life, this doctrine thou must abhor. Thirdly, thou must hate his setting of thy feet in the way that leadeth to the ministration of death, and for this thou must consider to whom he sent thee, and how unable that person was to deliver thee from thy burden. He to whom thou, he, he to whom thou was sent for ease, being by name legality, is the son of the bondwoman, which now is and is the bond is in bondage with her children, and is in a mystery this Mount Sinai, which thou hast feared will fall on thy head. Now if she with her children are in bondage, how canst thou expect by them to be made free? This legality, therefore, is not able to set thee free from thy burden. No, no man was as yet ever rid of his burden by him. No, nor ever is like to be. Ye cannot be justified by the works of the law, for by the deeds of the law no man living can be rid of his burden. Therefore, Mr. Worldly Wiseman is an alien, and Mr. Legality a cheat. And for this, and for his son's civility, notwithstanding his simpering looks, he is but a hypocrite and cannot help thee. Believe me, there is nothing in all this noise that thou hast heard of this sottish man, but a design to beguile thee of thy salvation by turning thee from the way which, is, which I had set thee. After this evangelist called aloud to the heavens for confirmation of what he had said. And with that there came words and fire out of the mountain under which poor Christian stood that made the hair of his flesh stand. The words were thus pronounced as many as are under as many as are the works of the law are under the curse for it is written cursed is everyone that continue not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them now Christian looked for nothing but death 
and began to cry out lamentably, even cursing the time which he met with Mr. Worldly Wiseman, still calling himself a thousand fools for hearkening to his counsel. He was also greatly ashamed to think that this gentleman's arguments, flowing only from the flesh, should have that prevalency with him as to cause him to forsake the right way. This done, he applied himself again to evangelist in words and sense as follows. Sir, what think you? Is there any hope? Is there hopes? May I now go back and go up to the wicked gate? Shall I not be abandoned for this and sent back from thence ashamed? I am sorry I have hearkened to this man's counsel, but may my sin be forgiven? Then said Evangelist to him, Thy sin is very great, for by it thou hast committed two evils. Thou hast forsaken the way that is good to tread in forbidden paths. Yet will the man at the gate receive thee. For he has good will for men. Only said he, Take heed that thou turn not aside again, lest thou perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Then, Christ, then did Christian address himself to go back an evangelist, after he had kissed him and gave him one smile and bid him Godspeed. So he went on with haste, neither spake he to any man by the way, nor if any man asked him, would he vouchsafe them an answer. He went like one that was all the while treading on forbidden ground and could by no means think himself safe, till again he was got into the way which he left to follow Mr. Worldly Wiseman's counsel. So in process of time, Christian got up to the gate. Now there on over the gate, there was written, Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. He that will enter must first without stand knocking at the gate, nor need he doubt. That is a knocker, but to enter in, for God can love him and forgive his sin. If you have never read The Pilgrim's Progress, I highly encourage you to read it, and I am prayerfully considering. It is a book that is in the public domain, and I'd be interested to see what you guys think, but I am. I really want to write a student's edition that would really help, you know, because there are so many verses that are quoted. But to somebody who's just getting into this that wants a neat allegory of the Christian life, and would like to see the verses, I really want to put footnotes and maybe, you know, some, you know, in between the sections, I'd like to put, you know, little little aids that would help people study these scriptures from these sections in more, you know, in more depth. And if that's something you guys would be interested in, let me know. I'd love, you know, if that, I'd love to be able to help you out with that. But notice what happened. Mount Sinai was something he was laboring up. And of course what he was referencing there with the bond woman was also that comes from the book of Galatians. Now let's go to Trying to remember where it's at in the book of Galatians. Uh, 
Yep, here it is. Galatians chapter 4, verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, that one, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar, for this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then, he that was born after the flesh persecute him that was born after the Spirit. Even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondswoman and her son, for the son of the bondswoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now understand what is happening. Now why is he using Hagar and really Hagar being this bondwoman and of course the free woman would be Sarah. Why is he using these these two? Isaac was promised by God. And that's, you know, Genesis chapter 15 is where the promise is made. But what happens is, is Sarah tells Abraham to go into her her maidservant, right? Hagar. See, Ishmael was brought about through the works of the flesh. What happened was, was they tried to take the promise of God and bring it manifest himself instead of waiting on God's timing and waiting on his plan and his power. And that brought about Ishmael. And what Paul is doing here is he is using these examples. And of course, you would only know this if you study the book of Genesis, but these are the things that obviously he knew his audience knew because he didn't elaborate too, too much on them. But here's what is happening here. When we are trying to live by our own righteousness, when we're trying to follow the works of the law, when we are trying to, you know, the law does point out what is right and good. Because what did the first book of First John say? Sin is transgression of the law. So when we are trying not to commit sin, but we're doing it in our own power, we are not relying on God's power to work within us. We are not being. We are not manifesting the power, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives, but instead we are trying to do things in our own power and all there is, there is uncleanness. See, because the more that we study the law, the more sin will be made manifest in our lives and that sin can only be combated by the power of God. See, it was Jesus Christ that defeated sin. On the cross. 
And it is through Christ when we die to ourselves and we are baptized into Christ, as the book of Romans says, it is only then that we have that divine nature imparted to us, as Peter says. That is when we can really be manifest and we have we have Christ working in us. We had the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth as Jesus promised he would in the Gospel of John. See, it is only when we trust in the Lord with all our heart and we lean not into our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. See, we just read about Christian on this narrow way and he forsook the narrow way to try to climb Mount Sinai and get rid of his burden through legality Right? He tried to follow the law, which, by the way, if you guys didn't know, this is actually based off of, from what I understand, I watched a great documentary on John Bunyan. And there was a point in John Bunyan's life where he was trying to live more through a moral and legal sense. He was trying to follow the Ten Commandments, but it only brought ruin to him. So all of these they these these things that he's writing about he's writing from personal experience. But when we're doing this what it does is and I I know it is it's over in the book of Romans I can get over there. All right, there's so many different places in the book of Romans that we could go to, but what we're going to do is we're going to start in Romans chapter 5. We're going to go to verse 12, and it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and and sin... and Death by sin, so death passed unto all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. See, Paul also says he would not have known sin but by the law, and I think we're going to get to that. Um, but we'll just see how time goes, but let's, let's keep going. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now, of course, this is where the doctrine of original sin comes from. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense one may be dead... Of of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, the gift and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one man that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to con- condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. 
For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. This is where I want to really focus in on. Moreover, see, original sin was already a thing. But it does no good if you aren't aware of what that sin is. You know, this is how merciful God is. God loved us so much that he gave us a way to understand how sinful we really are. Now, notice what Paul says. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Understand what is grace. Grace is unmerited favor. That's normally where everybody stops, but grace goes farther than that. Grace is the power that helps you. Grace, literally, God is giving you the power to obey him through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Listen up and let me say that again. God gave the law to show us how offensive, dirty, sinful, and wicked we are by his standards and in his sight. But he loved us so much, he sent his son to die, to live a righteous life and a perfect life before he died, so that through that, we could have the power to obey as Christ did, to live righteously as Christ did. That's why anybody who says he loves him, ought to walk even as he walked. Why? Because it shows that we have the grace of God manifest in our lives. Because it is only through the power of God's grace that anybody could even live a righteous lifestyle. Because as the Bible says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Let's go on. Oh, he said, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer Therein, what is sin? Sin is transgression of the law. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. When you have this grace on you, when you have this new divine nature that God gives to those who are baptized in Christ, this is not water baptism. This is the baptism of Christ. This is where we die to ourselves and we are in Christ. Right? So, 
really think about that because that is that's a place that a lot of people I don't think their mind will let them get past. But when we die to ourselves, and what did Jesus say? He said, "Any man that would follow me must die, as you know, must uh, deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me." Right? Oh, what was the cross? It was number one. It was what Jesus died on, but it was an instrument of torture. Right? It was it was something that brought certain death. See, we must die. Our flesh must die. This old man must die. It reminds me of that Petra song, Killing My Old Man. One of my favorite songs did not even get it until I was well into my 20s and on my way to my 30s. Uh, Never could really grasp it. And then one day I finally, praise God, it clicked. I'm killing my old nature. That old sinful nature has to die and it can only do that by being buried with christ in his death and then notice what it says we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we should all walk should walk in newness of life guys this is the first resurrection that um the book of revelation talks about This is that first resurrection. If we can get a hold of this, if our minds can grasp this, and look, we've got to get out of our own way sometimes, and we just got to, this is where that phrase that's so overused actually comes. Sometimes you really do have to just let go and let God, you know? And this is one of those areas, if we would just let go and just let God help us understand this, we will be able to walk in newness of life. There's a great book. I highly recommend you get it. You can find it on FOJCRadio.com, and it is called The Cross and Your Salvation, and it is a commentary on Romans 6, Romans 7, and Romans 8. It is a great, great, great study tool. Notice, let's go on. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So even though we're not physically dying, but we are choosing to let that old nature pass away. You know, we have that likeness of his death. We also have that likeness of his resurrection. We have that spiritual resurrection. There's a spiritual death, a spiritual resurrection going on here. This is what it says for he that is dead is freed from Sin. See, we can only do this if we're baptized in Christ, if we're in Christ. Because that's what baptism is. It's submerging, right? You go in the water, and as you would go in the water, you go in Christ. When you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are in the Spirit, right? You know, these, these are, once we really study these concepts, these things become evident, You know, what did John say? He said, I baptize you with water, but there will come one who will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. You know, that's that Holy Ghost baptism. But from my understanding, and I could be wrong, but from what I understand, baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptism of Christ, they they have to go hand in hand. You cannot receive the power of the Holy Ghost unless you are baptized into Christ. Unless you have died to that old man and you are walking in newness of life. Now, if ye be dead with Christ, this is verse number 8. If ye be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live in him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion 
over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, listen up here. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Now notice what he's saying. Let it not sin therefore. What do you mean therefore? Now that you are dead, spiritually speaking, you're dead to that new man and you're living unto God. Let therefore sin not reign in your mortal body because you still have the mortal body. We've, we've got to deal with that. But we have to let not sin reign in it, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, and those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace but that only works if you are being obedient in Christ Jesus the only way you can have sin not reign over your body is if you do exactly what Jeremiah 31 says let's go there real quick Jeremiah chapter 31. And we actually went over this a little bit in last week's uh, TN Scripture blog. Jeremiah 31 came up. It was our it was uh, one of the prophets prophecies that was mentioned by Matthew in regards to Jesus and the slaughter of the the babies in Bethlehem. And it all points, it all points to Christ. You know, that's what it talks about. It talks about, you know, God's everlasting love, the redemption of Israel, the mercy on Ephraim, the satiation of the weary soul. Man shall die for his own iniquity, and then a new covenant. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. There's no Gentile church in there. That's so important. The house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this isn't the old covenant. We're talking about the new covenant here. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and I will write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now, a lot of people think this hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you this is already happening. Well, what do you mean? Everybody's teaching his neighbor love the Lord, know the Lord. Not if they're not. Nope. 
Uh-uh. I'm going to tell you why. Because you are not in the house of Israel or the house of Judah until you already know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because at that point, according to Romans 11, you are grafted in to the cultivated olive tree that is Israel. And what about this part where it says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. If you are living a daily life of repentance, if we are living out our repentance and we are trying to walk in the baptism of Christ and we are trying to walk in this newness of life, he will remember our sin no more. It's that simple. It is so simple. But let's look at this. Because we can go back, and if you if you guys, if we study the front of the Bible, we know what happens is that after the tables of stone are written, God wrote them with his finger, right? Well, where were they put? They were put in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, right? We are the temple of God. That's written on, he said, I will put it in their inward parts and write it on their hearts. Guys, this is the manifestation of the new covenant. We are the temple of God in the new covenant. So if we go back and we see the law written on our hearts, what is the law? We know what it is. We can start in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, and God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of any likeness of anything in the heavens above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Guys, iniquity leaves a genetic mark on your children. We are talking about things that corrupt your very genetics, and this has been scientifically proven through the study of epigenetics. We are talking incredibly detrimental things when you talk about idolatry and things like this it literally screws up the temple of god but notice what verse six says in showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments thou shalt not take the lord of thy god the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. All these people who claim they say, I know him and walk and then keep not his commandments, they are a liar and the truth is not in him. They have taken the name of the Lord their God in vain. They call themselves Christians, but they're not living a Christ-like life. They've taken the name of the Lord thy God, their God in vain. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou, do thou, shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. It is in, in it thou shalt not do any work, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. Guys, it's simple. Do your work in six days, set apart the seventh. That's God's day. He gave it to you to rest and to spend time with him. 
He's giving you a gift here. Don't spurn the gift. Don't spit in God's face. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So when you talk about the Lord's day, (laughs) excuse me, when you talk about the Lord's day, what actually is the Lord's day? Which one did he hallow and sanctify? I understand and have no problem with Sunday being called the Lord's Day because it is a memorial of his resurrection and the fact that we are a new creation. It is a a weekly remembrance of that eighth great day of Sukkot. Just as people do a weekly Lord's Supper for the Sabbath. It's literally just a way, and you're like, well, maybe you don't need that, man. Maybe you don't. But I know the more I do something, the more it gets ingrained in me. And we know for a fact that the early church kept both the Sabbath and the first day of the week. But ultimately, we need to understand that when it comes to the Lord's day, his day is the Sabbath. It's the one that he set apart for man. And for himself. Verse 12. Honor thy mother and father that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Leviticus 19, love thy neighbor as thyself. Paul says the rest of the law can be summed up in that. Jesus gave us two commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Deuteronomy and Leviticus, neither one are in the Ten Commandments. Let that sink in. And what did he say? He said, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. You literally have to read the entire Bible, really. In that day, it would have been the entire Tanakh, the Old Testament. You would have had to read it all because all of it hinged on those two. You can't just say, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor and think you're fulfilling the law. You're just being a dum-dumb. I hate to say it like that, but it's the truth because you're missing what you need to do to fulfill those. And you can't do it of your own volition. We just read this. You have to walk in newness of life in the baptism of Christ to even have a chance. You don't stand a chance without Christ. Matter of fact, it says you're falling from grace. But I promise you, if you do it in Christ and you're walking and just seeking to honor him by keeping his commandments and you're doing it in faith to him and walking in in the faith of his finished work on the cross, it's going to happen. Let's, let's close out this section of scripture reading with the doctrine of Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, and I forgot to read a part earlier. I was going to read in Matthew chapter 19 where Jesus talks about divorce. 
I do really want to read real quick because even his disciples said this, and I think this is so important. And then we'll go to Matthew chapter 5 again. Matthew chapter 19. Notice what he says here. So it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan, and there were great multitudes that followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and the twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whoever soever shall put his wife, put away his wife, except to be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doeth, doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which are born from their mother's wombs, and there are some eunuchs which are made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Like, Jesus' standards, they, they saw it, and he brought out this fullness of the law. This was always what God intended for the law to be. And Jesus made it manifest. And notice what they said. If this be the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. Like, well, if that's the case, we might as well not even get married was their, was their thought. This is what happens when... We re- when we lean on our own understanding, we look at it and they say, well, this is impossible. We can't do it. And that's what a lot of carnal Christians, so-called, that's what they say. You can't do the law, so why try? Because you're going to be judged by it. But if you're, if you're, if you're following the law as a way to be Christ-like and you're doing it in the power and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... There is now there there is now therefore no condemnation, is what the book of Romans goes on to say in Romans chapter eight. So I really wanted to hone in on this, and guys, I really thought this was only going to be like a I knew that the the pilgrim's progress was gonna make it a little longer, but I thought we were gonna keep it right at an hour. I only had a handful of scriptures that I was gonna read, and as we were going You know, I just, I kept getting these impressions on my heart. Read this scripture, read this scripture. 
So I want to read a couple of quick quotes, and this is from the Introductory Considerations of the Ten Commandments by Arthur Pink. He says, first, let us consider their promulgation. Talking about the Ten Commandments. The manner in which the Decalogue was formerly delivered to Israel was very awe-inspiring, yet replete with value, valuable instruction for us. First, the people were commanded to spend two days in preparing themselves by a ceremonial cleansing from all external pollutions before they were ready to stand in the presence of God. Exodus nineteen ten and 11. This teaches us that serious preparation of heart and mind must be made before we come to wait before God in his ordinances and receive a word at his mouth. And that if Israel must sanctify themselves in order to prepare, appear before God at Sinai, how much more must we sanctify ourselves that we may be meet to appear before God in heaven? Next, the mount on which God appeared was to be fenced with a strict prohibition that none should presume to approach the holy mount, Exodus nineteen twelve and 13. This teaches us that God is infinitely superior to us and do our utmost reverence and intimates the strictness of his law. Now we have a description of the fearful manifestation in which Jehovah appeared to deliver his law, Exodus nineteen eighteen and 19, which was designed to affect the people of Israel with an awe for his authority and to sanctify that if God were so terrible in the giving of the law, when he comes to judge us for its violation, how much more so will he be? When God had delivered the ten words, so greatly affected were the people that they entreated Moses to act as a mediator and interpret between God and them. This teaches us that when the law is delivered to us directly by God, it is in itself the ministration of condemnation and death, but it is delivered to us by the mediator Christ. We may hear and observe it. Galatians 3.19, 1 Corinthians 9.21, and Galatians 6.2. Galatians is not at odds with the law, with the law. But Galatians is showing you the proper way that the law must be fulfilled. And it can only be fulfilled through Christ, which is why we're going to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. And it says, Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I come not to destroy, but to fulfill. He says, For verily I say unto you, Until heaven and earth shall pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Why did he say heaven and earth shall pass? Because what did God say earlier? He said, I am calling heaven and earth to witness. That's what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 30. This, this book, this Bible, is one cohesive... It's one cohesive story, guys. And it is about a merciful, a just, a loving... And graceful God, who has provided us a way to know what our sin is, to realize how much we need Jesus Christ and his righteousness, and a way for us to follow after Christ and have his righteousness. And that's why you have to have the Old and the New Testaments. You can't do it with one without the other whether it's old or new. That's why so many of these, quote, New Testament Bible-believing churches have no power, and they are dead. 
because they have forsaken that which leads them to life. We can only come in through the narrow gate is what Jesus said, and we have to follow the narrow path. But what is the narrow path? It's Genesis through Revelation, and that path leads to the door, which is Jesus Christ. He said he was the door in John. He also said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so I want us all to prepare our hearts, just as Arthur Pink said. We want to take some time to prepare our hearts as we go through and we study the law of God as it relates and how we can walk in the power and the grace of Christ Jesus and become, we can, we can discover his righteousness. We can discover how to be obedient through him because we won't be able to do it in our own power and we will fall from grace. Let's pray, guys. Father, we just thank you for allowing us to be able to come in your presence and hear your word tonight, Father. And I just want to thank you and praise you for being with me as I delivered these words, Father. Thank you for giving me the words to say, to give to your remnant, Father. And I pray that we just come before you now on bended knee and we bow our faces down. And Father, we just say, have mercy on us. We are sinners, Father. We rely too much on our own strength. And we just ask you now, we repent of this, Father. We want to turn away from our wicked ways. And we just ask that you impart the grace and the power of your grace through the finished work of the cross of Christ, Father. We just ask that you impart that grace onto us now that we may be able to fulfill and follow your word. We know that Christ came to fulfill the law, Father, and we just ask that that law be fulfilled in us as we study to show ourselves approved. Father, we just praise your holy name. We thank you for this Sabbath, Father, that you have given us. We thank you that we are able to study the word and grow closer to you and learn your attributes and learn what you love and learn what you hate, Father. And we just pray that we can conform to your likeness. We just we ask that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that the world will leave we will leave that behind, Father. We will look like strangers and we will look like aliens and that the light of Christ will just shine so bright that there will be no darkness around us, Father. This is our prayer to you. We just ask that the Holy Spirit be manifest in us so that everybody around can see the power of the gospel, Father. And that seeing that power they will then hear the gospel, Father. We just pray that through us, your remnant, that we will be able to make the kingdom of God go manifest as the times are getting darker. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our High Priest. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on this show um, let me got, let me know what you guys think. Um, if you're listening to this on Substack, please leave a comment. 
You know, I still want to be able to talk to you guys. I'm going to try to get this converted over into some video form if I can. And we'll see how it goes. Um, but I just want to thank you all, as I as I did earlier, for your prayers. Guys, we can't do this without your prayers. And I love the way that Charles Spurgeon put it. Charles Spurgeon said, The day that you cease to pray for me is the day that I cease to preach. And I want you guys to know that's that's how important your prayers are. If you guys stop, we stop. So I just want to thank you all sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Hope all of you have a wonderful rest of your Sabbath if you're listening to this or if you're later in the week. I pray that your week goes well into a wonderful Sabbath. God bless you all in the name of Christ Jesus, and we will see you next time right here on Course Correction Radio. Y'all take care.